in those places where I was kind of consistently and constantly giving way to people pleasing, um, those relationships weren't as healthy as they could be. And I just hit a phase where I was like, I want my relationships to be healthy. I want my relationships to be real. This is my new friend, Sophie Hudson, the author of Stand All the Way Up, Stories of Staying in It When You Want to Burn It All Down. And today we're talking about people-pleasing and comparison and how it holds you back from having life-giving friendship. My name is Noelle Rhodes, and you're listening to Friending, the no-nonsense, all-practical, and sometimes hilarious podcast show that helps women like you and me have life-giving friendship because it's not as easy as it looks on television. Today's episode, we have a real treat. We have the very funny and very wise Sophie Hudson on the show. Sophie started out as a blogger in 2005. She started a blog called BooMama.net. She's also an author of several books. She wrote Giddy Up Eunice, also the book A Little Salty to Cut the Sweet, a devotional called All in All Journeying Devotional, a book called Home is Where My People Are, and she's just released a brand new book called Stand All the Way Up, Stories of Staying in It When You Want to Burn It All Down. And I'm sure there are some of us out there who are feeling like we just want to burn it all down. I know I've had a few days like that myself the last few months. This book has come to us at just the right time, friends. That is what I believe. And so has Sophie, and I'm so happy that she came on the podcast show because we're talking about two things, two things that I think a lot of us do in our friendships, and these two things will certainly cause our friendships to become toxic. Toxic friendship is such a buzzword right now. In fact, it is going to be the topic of which we're going to discuss over the month of July. We're going to be doing a friending summer book club series, and we're going to read Gary Thomas's new book called When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People, because Lord knows so many of us need to do that. So if you're interested in all that jazz, you can go to the show notes and learn more, but we're going to be discussing chapters from this book over the summer. However, let me tell you about these two things that Sophie and I are going to be talking about today. Because if we could tackle these two things, which are two huge things, and we're not going to be able to tackle it overnight, so nobody get nervous. But if we can tackle these two things in our life, we're going to find that our friendships will become more life-giving, more healthy, more enjoyable, and more satisfying. Are you ready to hear it? These two things are, number one, people-pleasing, and number two, comparing our lives to our friends' lives. Comparison. You'll hear Sophie and I joke later on in the interview about how each of us hold a master's or doctorate degree in people-pleasing. So we're not coming at you telling you how you need to be and how you need to stop people-pleasing and stop comparing your lives to your friends' lives. We're talking to you from a place of real experience and real struggle. So here's how this episode is going to work. We're going to go right into the interview where Sophie's going to give us a lot of good stuff to think about. And then after the interview, I'm going to walk us through some practical application of how to deal with the people-pleasing mode that so many of us, and I'm raising my hand right now because I am one of the us, 
So many of us struggle with people pleasing, okay? So how do we deal with falling into that mood over and over again? And then also I'm going to talk about comparison when we compare our lives to our friends' lives and how that can be not necessarily a bad thing, but how often it is. I'm going to explain the difference, what happens. So I'm a, I'm a little bit excited about this episode because I learned tons when I was researching it and reading Sophie's book. So without further ado, here's my new friend, Sophie Hudson. All right. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what season of life you're in, where you live, all that stuff about you. Okay. Um, it's so good to be with y'all. I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and I am a wife and a mama, and I work at a high school here in Birmingham with, um, in the, for the past six years, I've worked with the girls at our school. And um, I'm a writer and have a podcast. And we have one son who is 17. So we are, he'll be a junior next year in high school. So we're kind of on the, on the pre empty nest phase of life is sort of where we are right now. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're most passionate about. I know you have a podcast. So why don't you like quickly just tell us about that? Okay. So my friend Melanie Shankle, who's also a writer, we met on the internet back in 2006 I think like through each other's blogs and in 2007 we started a podcast because my husband said we should he used to hear us talking on the phone all the time and said why don't you just start a podcast so um we didn't really know what that was but we did which essentially here's (laughs) we we just pretty much read an issue of InStyle magazine together on the first one we ever did but we're still at it 13 years later. And so sometimes we podcast it a little, sometimes a lot. We've been pretty consistent the last few years, but it's been a big blast. And um, I don't know, I am passionate about, about creating things, whether that's something here at home, it's a meal, whether it's a podcast or a book or um, a night with friends, but just creating things that bring joy and relief and peace and comfort. It's my favorite thing. I love that. And I love your friendship podcast story. That's like (laughs) the best ever. I love that. Well, I would love to hear, and I'm sure the listeners would too, what have you found to be the biggest friendship struggle that you've gone through personally as an adult? Yeah, I would say I was really fortunate in high school and in college. I had just wonderful friends who are still my friends. We've, We've, you know, kind of been in it with each other for a long time. We moved to Birmingham about 20 years ago, and then we had Alex about, I don't know, five years, no, three years after that. And so what I found is in those early stages of motherhood, I didn't know a whole lot of people here, and um, and I had a real hard time for whatever reason. It's not my personality, but I just had a real hard time letting my guard down, and I got all in my head with comparison. I got all in my head with feeling like I was doing it wrong or I don't know that somehow I was failing. And so I really isolated myself. I feel like, um, honestly, I mean, with the exception of, of my old friends and then Melanie and the internet, I really isolated myself for about 10 years. I just kind of stayed close to home and, and, um, I didn't step out a whole lot in new friendships. And, um, I don't know, it was, it was, a it was a weird place to be, but I just convinced myself over a period of time 
um, because I was, I was working outside of the home when he was little and I just kind of convinced myself that I didn't have anything in common with other mamas. And so, um, because most of my, the people that I knew were staying at home and, um, we're starting to have kind of big families and we had one child. And so I just kind of took myself out of the game, if that makes sense. I'm so glad that you said that because it, I think lots of moms feel that way. Like new moms will be like, I don't really know who I can be friends with because I feel so different from the other mm-hmm. moms in my sphere. And it's it's so like true that it takes a little bit of time to find your people. Right. And you may not like fit in right away, but I your honesty about how you just isolated and just took yourself out of the game and was like, I guess there's nobody for me. You know, I'm I sure did. there's yeah, there's probably somebody right now who's going through the same thing. So I'm so glad that you said that because at least she's going to not feel like she's crazy. Right. Tell us about your book, Stand All the Way Up. I want to know why did you write it and who is it for? Well, I wrote it because I, I just had, like everybody does from time to time, I just had a few years that felt a little, a little extra crazy. Um, just a little extra sad, disappointing, confusing, chaotic. And so I was trying to process all that stuff. And I was in Kenya three years ago and, um, and just had this experience at a local church in Kenya where um, I, I was so taken by the women there and so taken by the way that they welcomed us. And, and one thing that one of the women there said to us was she said, in Kenya, we hope you know you are welcome at the gate because they had met us at the gate of the church and they had danced us into the sanctuary when we got there. And so um, I thought about that for the rest of our trip and it occurred to me on the last day we were, we were in Kenya that there had really just been a lot of gates over the course of those last few years. And at every single one of those, the Lord had met me there and he had settled something there. And so I just kind of started to write about that. And then over the course of writing it, I realized that so many of those stories, what they had in common was me figuring out what it meant to stand up, whether it was for myself, whether it's for, um, to, to not be isolated and to actually immerse myself in community right here, right now. Um, or for my own health, my own body, like what it meant to, to stand up and kind of advocate in different situations. So sometimes that's for me, sometimes it's for other people, sometimes it's for marginalized people, whatever that looks like. But um, I think so often, especially when we're overwhelmed, we tend to, we, we sit down and we back off. And, and I had done that for, for several years. And so it was kind of a, a time when I realized, oh no, I, I have one life and, um, and these are the days and I want to stand up and, 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 and go wherever it is that, that I'm supposed to be. I am loving this so much. And when does the book come out? The book comes out June the 16th. So, um, right around the corner, right around the corner. So this should probably, this episode should air around that time. So I'm really excited because whoever's listening and is going, I need this book. I'm, I'm like, I'm at the gates it's coming. The book is coming. (laughs) But one of the things I love is that you have said that you held or hold a certificate in people pleasing, which I think is a great statement because I Mm -hmm. certainly have, I've got my doctorate degree in that. So could you tell us how you think 
people-pleasing affects friendships? Yeah, I think the biggest way it affects friendship is because ultimately you're not being honest. I mean, ultimately, kind of what I realized is that when I was in people-pleasing mode, I wasn't necessarily telling the truth. And so, um, and I'm not talking about like, you know, I mean, I've grown up and lived in the South my whole life and we're sort of programmed, women especially are programmed to be like extra gracious and, you know, everything, we're just supposed to be really agreeable and not, you know, say anything that would be upsetting. And, and, and I'm not talking about like being, I'm not talking about going through life saying, I'm just going to say whatever. I'm not talking about being unkind. I'm just talking about being honest. So, so what I realized was that um, in, in those places where I was kind of consistently and constantly giving way to people pleasing, um, those relationships weren't as healthy as they could be. And I just hit a phase where I was like, I want my relationships to be healthy. I want my relationships to be real. And, um, and I need to not bend all over my or, 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 or twist myself in a wide trying to keep everybody happy. And there was actually a story in the, in scripture that I ran across one morning that sort of hit all that home for me with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And I won't get into that whole thing right now, but it's in John one and um, just a moment where people were really trying to get them to change their minds, but they knew how the Lord had instructed them and they were, they were firm, kind, but firm. It's funny that you talk about being from the South and you're sort of you know, raised to be extra gracious. I'm from New Jersey and we're like raised to be the opposite or <laughs> we just like, we like yell things and it could be like kind things, but it sounds really mean. Um, so I get that. But at the same time, I have struggled with people pleasing and try just making sure that whatever I did wasn't going to upset anybody. And you're right. It's not truth telling. Mm-hmm. And also it really created a lot of shallow friendships for me because they didn't really know me. Right. They knew the version that they were getting because I thought that's what they wanted. So there is such incredible freedom when you realize that we're called to live authentic, real, honest lives. So, I I mean, I'm just so excited Mm -hmm. about getting into this with the book. Hey there, I just want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we have a community on Facebook called the Friending Squad Group. And this is a safe place that you can share your friendship issues or specific situation that you would like other perspectives to kind of weigh in on. We are a loving community. We are here for you. This is for women who believe in the power of female friendship and want to get better at it. So please go to the show notes and find us there. You are more than welcome to join us. And now back to Sophie Hudson. But you also talk a lot about comparison, which you mentioned earlier. And I would love to hear how you feel this holds us back from standing all the way up. And like, what are the practical things that we can do to stop comparing our lives against our friends? Because usually those are the people that we're typically comparing ourselves against, besides whoever we see on Instagram or Pinterest, Mm -hmm. the next people are our friends Mm -hmm. and we're going, Mm -hmm. are we doing as well as they are? So I would love for you to talk to us about comparison. One of the things that occurred to me when I was actually with that story in Luke one about Elizabeth and Zechariah is that when we're constantly, if, if we live our lives constantly spinning around, trying to assess what everybody is doing, trying to assess how happy they are with us, 
we're like a little kid on the playground, you know, when kids will spin and spin and spin and then they stop and they can't hold their balance. They're just all wobbly. We're the same. If we're constantly spinning around, we're going to lose the ground we've been given. And so that was a real encouragement to me. Um, just the reminder that the Lord has given each one of us ground to stand on and, and we want to be faithful to stand there. And I can't, I can't stand that ground and I can't, um, I can't use that ground for his glory if I have my head turned all the time. So that was really encouraging to me, just, just as sort of an exhale, like, okay, practically, it doesn't make sense to keep my head on a swivel in terms of comparison. If I'm going to keep my head on a swivel, it needs to be trying to figure out how I can love people and honor people and serve people. So I, I think that was helpful for me. And then um, I think, Honestly, just getting a little older, I think there's something about the 40s that um, you start to, you have a pattern of seeing God's faithfulness. And so you start to rest in what he has instead of trying to keep your eyes so fixed on what everybody else is doing. And there's some security that comes in that. So I would say the daily reminders of who he is and and how deliberately, intentionally he has laid out the, the days of your life. Um, and that's only going to happen if we are consistent in um, maintaining those relationships where we get to be all the way ourselves um, without having to feel like we need to pretend. That is so good. And, and the key word that you said there that I just sort of wrote down here was consistency. Consistency really does help us mm -hmm. from comparing because we know we're consistent in what yeah, we know. Yeah, it does. And that is really empowering when you think about it. I can tell you when I am comparing myself, I'm not consistent because I'm changing it up all the time. I'm going, okay, well, she's doing this. So I'm going to do right. this. Oh, this, this woman over here is doing that. So I'm going to do that. And it's not consistent. And the picture that you painted of being on that, that spinny merry-go-round thing in the playground, that is exactly how I feel mm -hmm. When I'm just on that ride of a comparison, I'm, I don't know who I am or where I'm going. And that was awesome. I really love that. Yeah. You are, you're just, you are a fountain of wisdom, Sophie. I love it. You're so great. Oh, um, oh, oh for sure. I but thank you. I am so excited for your book and, um, this book is going to be everywhere. I'm assuming, right? As far as I know, it will be everywhere. It will, wherever you like to buy your books, it should be there. So it's going to be super accessible. And I would love for you to tell our listeners where they could find you on the interworld if they want to get to know you more. Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, I need to just go ahead and be honest about the fact that I missed the class where all your social media stuff was supposed to match, like where <laughs> everything is the same across the board. So I was not present for that day okay. of instruction. <laughs> So on Instagram, I'm Boomama205 because Boomama was already taken. Okay. Um, Boomama was my, well, it is my blog name. I just don't blog much anymore. Um, okay. On Twitter, I'm Boomama. Okay. And then on Facebook, it's Sophie Hudson Boomama. So that's all super simple to remember. Really super easy. Um, all makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? We're going to put this in the show notes. We're going to make it easy for everybody. So it's not a big okay. deal that you missed that, that social Thank media you. class. You're cool. Um, I have Thank one you. more. I appreciate it. 
No problem. One more question for you, and that is, what would you tell your 11-year-old self about friendship? If you could go back and talk to your 11-year-old self, what would you tell her? Mm-hmm. I would tell her it's worth it. I would tell her it gets better and better. I would, um, I would tell her that you don't have to compare yourself to everybody else, that you will never regret a day you spend cheering other people on and um, celebrating other people's successes. And I would tell her that more for somebody else does not mean less for you. And more for you does not mean less for somebody else. That um, God has plenty of everything to go around and so we don't have to live with this feeling of panic or scarcity where our friendships are concerned. That is some very, very good advice. I love that. More for someone else does not mean less for you and more for you does not mean less for somebody else. Well, that is awesome. Thank you so much, Sophie, for being on the show. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. I loved being with you and I (laughs) am grateful for the time. Loved chatting to Sophie Hudson. Go check the show notes for all the ways you can connect with her. And of course, I encourage you to go and buy her book, Stand All the Way Up, Stories of Staying in It When You Want to Burn It All Down. Full disclosure, my husband is outside right now washing out our coolers. So if you hear a weird sound in the background, it's good looking hillbilly Troy just doing some just doing some work outside despite the fact that I threatened him he is he is pushing forward life in quarantine and podcasting where you're trying to record and all your people are on top of you okay what I want to do right now is talk about people pleasing I am a recovering people pleaser and I'm going to read to you an article from psychology today actually I'm not going to read it I'm going to just kind of list some of the points that they bring out because they have an article called 10 signs you you are a people pleaser. And I'm going to put the little link in the show notes, but I think this will be helpful because some of us are like, am I a people pleaser? Am I not a people pleaser? And I think this will help us kind of figure out where we stand. Okay. Sign number one that you are a people pleaser is that you pretend to agree with everyone. Oh my gosh. I have been there. Okay. Heated conversational topics come up and you may actually have an opinion, but you're not going to share it or you're just going to pretend to agree. Or maybe you don't have an opinion, but you just decide to pretend to agree so that person accepts you or is happy with you or whatever. Okay. Sign number two, you feel responsible for how other people feel. Holy crap. This is me. You feel responsible for how other people feel. So one of the ways this works out in my own life is I will make decisions (laughs) about what I'm going to do based upon how I think it's going to make other people feel. It's kind of crazy. I've had to really get a lot of therapy and a lot of Jesus to help me work through that one. Okay, sign number three, you apologize often. You say sorry for saying sorry. Some of us know what we're talking about here. Okay, sign number four, you feel burdened by the things you have to do. And the reason for this is probably because you've said yes to everything and everyone and therefore you feel burdened because you yourself have not taken charge on how you're going to spend your time and you're not really using that powerful weapon of the word 
no to give yourself boundaries and to actually create a life that you were meant to live because you're living the life that everybody else wants you to live. So you will feel burdened by the things that you have to do. That is a sign of being a people pleaser. Okay, sign number five. And this goes with sign number four. You can't say no. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a 30, almost eight-year-old person. I'm turning 38 this August. And I'm going to tell you right now, I still have a hard time saying no. My husband can testify. My close friends can also say she has a hard time saying no. I have a hard time saying no. And I really admire the people that don't have a hard time saying no. So um, this is really important. This is like a huge red flag. If you feel like pain when you have to tell somebody no for something that you maybe even don't even want to do and would rather drink poison than do it, but you're going to say yes because you'd rather say yes than say no, you may be a people pleaser. Okay, sign number six, you feel uncomfortable if someone is angry at you. Oh my gosh. This is like the, this is like my worst nightmare my worst nightmare. Number seven, you act like the people around you. This is something that I think people who are deep, like deep in the people pleasing mode, they're able to morph into whatever they think that collective group wants them to be. They suddenly pretend like they they like that music. They like that TV show. They think that way politically. They think that way religiously. Um, they'll just, they'll just morph. And there, there's lots of, you know, psychological reasons as to why some of us do this but we will literally change our personality in order to act like the group or that person's personality so that we can please them okay that's a sign that you may be a people pleaser sign number eight you need praise to feel good you need praise to feel good and the reason for this is because we will base our value completely on what other people think about us. Our entire measure of worth is based upon what does this other person or this other group of people think about me? And so we need the praise to kind of give us the clues or the evidence that we are accepted. Sign number nine that you may be a people pleaser is if you go to great lengths to avoid conflict. Like your friend could totally be a number one jerk to you and you're not going to say anything because it may make them upset and therefore that's going to make you feel uncomfortable so it's just better not to say anything at all just don't say anything I've been there myself okay sign number 10 the last sign in this list I'm sure there are many other clues but for the sake of the length of this episode we're just going to stick to this list Sign number 10, you may be a people pleaser, is if you don't admit when your feelings are hurt. Story of my freaking life, people. Story of my life. I have definitely struggled with this. So here are the signs, okay? And if there were a couple that you're like, hmm, I think I might struggle with that. I don't want you to feel any shame or condemnation or guilt, okay? A good, a good amount of us struggle with people pleasing. A good amount of us do. So you're in good company. The good news is that we can actually take some steps. We can take some practical action steps to work on this. We don't have to remain people pleasers. We don't have to be addicted to the approval of people. We have to, though, decide that we're going to do something about that. I think the best way for me to address this is to talk about my own personal experience. And I know as a researcher, you're not really supposed to do that, but you and I are friends. So we're just going to, we're just going to put that aside for a second. And I'm going to share with you basically my own 
you know, journey of working through this, okay? And I'm going to try to be brief, and so you're not going to get all the nice juicy details that would make the stories interesting, but um, you're going to get the gist of what you need to know from my own personal experience. So number one, I needed to address the root as to why I was people-pleasing. Why? Why am I people-pleasing? Why am I not admitting when my feelings are hurt? Or why am I just agreeing so that this group of people will accept me? Like, what, what is that about, right? And really, for each person, there's going to be a different reason. So you really do need to sit down and do a little soul-searching, a little inner work there, because that's what's going to give you the blueprint of what you need to work on so that you're not people-pleasing. Because people-pleasing is a symptom of another problem. All right. For me, it was fear. It was the fear of not being liked. It also was the fear of being truly known. Whoa, that was a little too deep for me to say out loud. But it's true. Like I, I didn't really want people to know who I really was. I didn't really want to be known. And part of that if we want to even take another layer and go a little deeper, all right, is I didn't even really want to know who I was. It was easier just to be who people wanted me to be because my value was was invested in what they thought, okay? So it really was fear-based for me. I was I was doing a lot of self-protection and uh, it wasn't it wasn't really modeled to me. I wouldn't say either one of my parents are people pleasers in any way shape or form, but for me in my own journey and there's there's some traumatic experiences that shape this sort of path that I took, but I didn't really want to be known and I was a, I was really afraid of being disliked. So there's a question that you have to ask yourself. What is the root? Why am I doing this over and over and over again? Now, I just want to say this. This is full disclosure here. I really discovered this piece of me when I was in therapy, when I was actively seeing a therapist every single week. I really do think counseling and therapy is an incredible tool. If you find yourself with an addiction to people's approval, it's worth going and talking to a counselor about this because they're trained in pulling out these, you know, self-truths or even these self-lies that we've been telling ourselves. They're really good about unpacking that in a safe and productive way. So for me, that's kind of where I discovered this and then I was able to kind of work on it. Addressing the fear really helped me. The second thing that I did, and again, this is all based upon personal experience. So you just listen to this. And if there's something that resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, no problem. But for me, I really had to make a decision as to where my value was going to come from. Okay. What was going to be my measure? Where was I going to get my approval? Because I put it all in what other people thought, and that was risky. I mean, man, you do have to change who you are because not every single person is the same. So you have to adjust your personality, your thoughts. You have to, you know, carefully calculate your actions for whoever you're around. So for me, I had to decide, okay, well, where is my value based? Because I don't obviously value myself. I'm, I'm giving that into the hands of other people. So for me, my faith really informed this. I had to make a decision based upon my personal faith that my value was going to come from Jesus and what he says about me. And I get all that from the Bible. So that really helped me big time. Now, I want to say this as well. I have been a follower of Jesus for 
20 years, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less. I don't know. I got to think about that for a hot second. But around 20 years, I've been a follower of Jesus. This people pleasing problem has been a, a real issue for me up until the last five years. So if you if you're someone who's like, well, I, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. Um, I'm a Christian and I still struggle with this. Hey, I struggle. I struggled with this too. And I was a pastor. Okay. So again, no shame, no condemnation, but I would just say, okay, how does your faith or how does your belief system inform where you're getting your value from? You need to make a decision. Where is your value based upon? Because that's going to inform your actions. It really is. So for me, it was number one, discovering the root. Why am I doing this? Number two, what exactly do I really believe where my value comes from? And number three, I made a decision to be okay with being disliked, even if I wasn't really okay with being disliked. Follow me here. One of the things that I have to tell myself often, I mean, literally, I need to say it to myself out loud, is Noel, you need to muster up the freaking moxie and the courage to be disliked. And that may mean that if I say something that people don't agree with, I'm going to have to be okay with them not liking me for it. If I stand up for something that people don't really like or a person or a friend doesn't really like or agree with, I need to have the courage to be disliked. I'm constantly giving myself a pep talk based upon my understanding of where my the root of my people-pleasing mode comes from, also how my faith informs my value, and then allowing my actions to flow out of that understanding. Here's something that I will say about this though, okay? Most people, most people can accept that you will think differently and be differently from you. Most people, not all people, okay? But most, most women will. But what they don't like is when you lie to them and when you pretend to be something that you're not. And I think the people pleasers in the room, including myself, okay, speaking to myself here, need to remember, we will be more disliked for pretending to be something that we're not than for being our true selves. That is the truth. People do not like insincerity. They do not like when people are being disgenuine and they certainly do not like to be lied to. They would rather know the truth. So let's remember that, okay? All the people pleasers in the room. We think that people pleasing is being nice. It's not being nice. Let's be honest. It's being deceitful and it will eventually affect our friendships because you cannot have deep friendship unless there is truth and trust. That's what's going to build the intimacy. Okay, let's move on to comparison. Oh my gosh, I have so many things I want to say about this, but here's where we're going to go with it. I want to give you one single thought to chew on, okay, because this whole topic of comparison is massive. And I also want to just say before I give you the one little thing to chew on is that social comparison is very normal. Uh, it's a way that we sort of figure out, you know, how we're doing in life. So to to look at a friend's life and, and to compare your life to her life is not necessarily um, weird. It's actually really common. And it's something that we do. We, we, we try to see, well, how am I measuring up to other people? And what happens is we hear this sort of phrase like, don't compare, just stop comparing. And 
And that's all well and good, but but certainly not very helpful, all right? Because if we naturally do this one thing, if we, if we naturally look at people's lives that we, we love and admire and respect and we compare our life to theirs and that's a natural thing, then to tell us just to stop doing it is, is not helpful. But I will say that when we are engaged in social comparison, where it goes wrong is when our value is rooted in this, okay? So you can look at your friend who is running a 5K and go, man, you know, she is dedicated. She goes out every day at 6 a.m. and she's training for the 5K. And, you know, I haven't really been doing that much exercise. Maybe maybe I will talk to her about what I could do because that's something that I would like to do. That's an example of healthy social comparison. This is how in community we actually grow. We look at each other's lives. We look for the positive and we are saying, okay, how do I measure up? And what can I do to make those changes? And, and sometimes we even will draw upon the wisdom from the people that we're comparing. All right. That is completely fine and normal and healthy. Where it goes wrong is we look at a friend who's training for the 5k and we see that she gets up every day and we go, oh man, I suck. I can't get up any earlier than eight o'clock in the morning and I'm just always going to be out of shape and she's so much better than me and why am I such a loser do you see how the value is based on the comparison it's not that we're using that data to improve our life we're using that data to actually disprove our own value this gets really tricky Okay, this gets super tricky because what happens is we all go through seasons of life. And for the most part, really up until about college age, we go through very similar seasons, right? We, we go to elementary school, we graduate, we go to middle school, we graduate, we go to high school, we graduate, we eventually get our license and, and a car, and then we go to college and, and we graduate for the most part, okay, for the most part. But then it gets a little, a little mucky, a little murky because we don't all get married at the same time. We don't all have our careers established at the same time. We don't start our families at the same time. We don't buy our homes at the same time. And so that's where comparison gets a little funny because we start to go, oh, well, she just bought her first house and I haven't bought my first house. And we could either A, use that data to go, wow, I really would like to buy my first house. I wonder how she did that. And we could do a little investigation and then we could take some steps to maybe maybe purchase our own home. Or we'll take that data that we've kind of gleaned from the social comparison and we'll go, wow, I'm a loser. I'm really behind. And there's certain aspects of the season of life that women go through that we've absolutely no control over. Truly, we don't really have a lot of control over when we start our family. We don't even really have a lot of control over when we find the the love of our life that we are going to choose to marry. You hear what I'm saying? There's certain things that are just kind of like out of our control. And so the social comparison doesn't really work. That data is not really effective in improving our lives because we're on different journeys. So here's the thing that I want to, I want to have all of us chew on. For those of us who struggle with chronic comparison, all right, I'm not talking about the occasional, oh my gosh, you know, 
I, I feel like we're behind because, you know, this friend of mine is ahead in this area. I'm not talking about that occasional. I'm talking about the, the people who are chronically looking at their friends, chronically measuring their life against theirs and coming up feeling short. Okay. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me. For those of us who struggle with chronic comparison, the reason why we are chronically comparing, I want to bring it back to what Sophie said, is because we do not recognize the vision for our own life. When we don't have a clear purpose and a clear understanding of our destiny and a vision, which by the way, you know, is not easy. This is not something easy that as soon as you turn 18, you know what you want to be when you grow up. You know what you want in your life. No, 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 no. Or who you are. You don't even know who you are as a person, okay? this That's a journey that we got to take. But when we don't have any idea, any idea what we want, any idea of, of our purpose or our destiny or where we're going, when we're completely visionless, that is where we're going to fall into the trap, the trap of chronically comparing our lives to others when we know what we're about and when we know what we're going to do we can look at our friends lives and actually celebrate where they are while still celebrating where we are are we going to always be able to do that perfectly absolutely not and I can tell you there are times in my life where I will look at others people that I love and I'll see what they have and it's tough I, I may feel jealous I may go why don't I have that that's what I want so I'm not saying that we should always be in this place of you know uh, never feeling bad or never feeling like we have lack or anything like that we're human beings we're going to struggle but I do think when I know who I am and what I'm meant to do I find myself comparing less and actually looking at my friends and going wow look what's happening in your life I celebrate you and what you're about and what you're passionate about and what's happening with you does not detract from what's happening in my life and Sophie said it best she's like more for somebody else does not mean less for you and if we could really chew on that and and really ask a a tough question which is what is the vision of my life that's not something that we can you know solve in a podcast episode but I do think that when we are clear about our destiny then we're able to walk freely alongside others but if we feel like we have no purpose and when we feel like we have no reason to be here well we're definitely going to people please number one and number two we're definitely going to be looking for somebody else's life that we can copy from one of the biggest things about friendship the biggest thing okay is that it very much is connected to what we believe about ourselves and and what we believe about our purpose a hundred percent and so if you're sitting here today going I have no idea who I am I have no idea what my destiny is I do not know what my purpose is I want to say to you right now that I am praying for you I am praying for you that God would reveal that to you and then I want to encourage you as well knowing that there are people who are praying for you myself and there are some members of the friending team that help sort of inform this podcast there's some of us that are going to be praying for you all right specifically about this that God would reveal purpose for you vision for you I want to encourage you to go on that journey and find out because when you know who you are and what you're about and what you are created to do, you will find that it is 
so much easier to not people please and not compare yourself and you can stand all the way up freely walking alongside of women who you're sharing life-giving friendship with and my friend that is how we change the world that is how we change the world we know who we are and what we're about and we link arms with others who know the same and we just go for it listen we are doing a summer challenge as a friending community it's called the get it together and let it go summer challenge this is an opportunity for you to do some inner work to free yourself to have more life-giving friendship in your life there's going to be a link in the show notes if you're interested in joining this challenge over the summer i would be so happy if you did because i really believe in it I really believe that if we work on ourselves, we are better for the people that we love. And that includes friendship. So you can find out more information about our summer challenge, the get it together and let it go challenge in the show notes. That is all for today's episode. I want you to know that I am here for you. Please reach out. Please email me if you have any questions at all. I have been doing some Zoom coaching sessions with some people. It's something that I'm making space for over the summer. So if you'd like to reach out, I this is the invitation. I am here. I'm I'm available to you for sure. As well as we've got that friending squad community on Facebook. It's a private group, but you are welcome to join us. We'd love to have you. Okay. Now go out there and be a good friend because Lord knows the world needs more of them. Till next time, your friend Noel. Hey, do you like this podcast? Did you find this episode helpful? Then I would love to invite you to go to iTunes and leave us a review, a five-star review, and tell us why you like this show. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for others to find us, and we just want to help people here. Thanks so much for being a friend.